What's going on, everybody? The NBA season is now officially at a close. Um, I'm just doing this because I felt I felt as though, you know, you guys have been tuning in with me week in, week out. So we might as well do one wrap-up show just to talk about uh, that final championship game, the the bubble as a whole, uh, the state of basketball. I think first and foremost, you got to give a ton of credit to Adam Silver, the NBA, um, Chris Paul over at the MBPA, and everybody else that put together a wildly successful tournament in Orlando. Um, I was looking forward to it as soon as it was announced. And now after having experienced it, I couldn't be happier with the result. Some people are saying, you know, put an asterisk or some sort of uh, notation next to this season. And I, I don't buy that at all. It, they did everything they possibly could to pull off a an entertaining uh, tournament to get all the teams there that needed to be and a couple that did not need to be. Um, I think if ever there was a year to experiment, this was it. And they <coughs> they tried some. That play-in game was, um, you know, really intense, exciting, um, and made for great theater. And I hope, hopefully the NBA continues on, you know, with something like that going forward. I thought that was a great addition. Um, I would love to have seen for the only year ever, no seating whatsoever and just number one overall plays number 16 overall and do that just to see what it looks like. Perhaps that was a, you know, a bridge too far. It was a little bit too much, um, but they at least tried things and, they gave the players as safe an environment as they possibly could. There were only a couple hiccups with, you know, Lou Will going to a titty bar. Well, Lou Will's going to do what Lou Will does, uh, but still came back and quarantined. And Daniel House was the biggest uh, in inviting that tester up to his room. Um, outside of that, though, I don't know that I saw any single specific uh problem any egregious error any any fault through the planning the nba did an excellent job i think what griff brought up on friday when you would see the empty seats uh you know on the fans being zoomed in i'm not sure that should ever happen just given the millions of people across the world that are watching the game you should be able to find somebody to fill those seats at all times, even if you're dropping people in and out as the game goes along. So everybody gets to experience, you know, the quote unquote fan experience. Um, but, you know, the game last night was over. What, what would you say? The end of the first half, the Lakers are up by 28 and they're up by 28 and they're shooting 29% from three. I mean, you're up by 28 and then you're shooting piss poor from three. The first quarter, they were in the teens shooting from three. And then the second one, they were in the 40, 40th percentile. So averaged amount ends up being 28, 29%, but you're up by 28 going into half. And you know what it was? It was defense. Something that they said that they were hanging their hat on uh, early on. It's something Vogel is known for is his defense. Uh, and, I think he genuinely like this is, you know, 
the first coach since Spolstra where you could see the stamp of the coach and the coaching staff on a LeBron team. Usually it's LeBron doing what he does. And this time with him buying in on defense and the length and everybody speeding around, um, this look different than, than LeBron teams of years, the previous, you know, four or five years since his early Miami days when he was flying around all over the court. He was a much younger man, you know, given that was nine, eight, nine years ago. He was in his right in the heart of his early prime. Well, early prime for him, most guys, it's right in the heart of their prime, which is 26, 27, 28. Um, but to see him at 35 buying in just as much as Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis was a menace in the paint. Uh, I think the the best evidence was that it was that Tyler Hero little floater um, that came up a solid foot short. And that was just the fact that AD was always in the middle of the paint, altering shots, uh, making people question whether or not they were going to drive. You know, Jimmy Butler, how many times did we see him in games one, two, and three uh, drive into the lane? And then as soon as Anthony would collapse down, he would kick out. And on occasion, it worked well. Like there was one where he did that to Jay Crowder and uh, it was perfectly in rhythm and Crowder nailed the three, but there were others where it was ill-informed. He even did it once against KCP and LeBron where their, their defense was so smothering. And instead of attempting the, the layup and try and draw the foul, kicked out and LeBron uh, picked that pass off. I think it was game two that he did that. And their defense was legitimately uh, just all over the place. I mean, they have a tremendous amount of length, which aids them in that starting five. And I like the switch to Caruso last night uh, instead of Dwight Howard. I thought that they should have made that change even earlier and done, you know, did what they did against Houston. Just go with a smaller lineup, beat them at their own game. We still have length with this smaller lineup. And, uh, have, have guys out there that can try and slow down Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Um, it was good to see Dragic out there for the Heat, but you know he didn't really look like the Goron we saw throughout the rest of the playoffs. You saw glimpses of what the Heat could have been on those pick-and-roll drives where Bam sets a pick for him and then instantly pivots and floats to the rim. Um, and then Goron is reading the defense to see whether or not they're going to collapse down on him and he throws a lob to uh, Bam or he tries to finish the layup himself. Uh, but he just didn't have the lateral quickness that you would, that you saw from Goran, even though he's a slightly older guy, you know, he was an integral part of what the heat had done up until that point. Uh, but the heat were just overmatched. Once he went down, and once Bam misses the first three games or two and a half games and then comes back in game four and is not quite 100%. He was close, but not quite. Um, it was just kind of done. I mean, it took a Herculean effort by everybody else there and especially Jimmy. I mean, that game five was an all-time classic. Back and forth back and forth, just haymaker after haymaker from Jimmy goes down. Sorry, my beard is scratching the bottom side of my nose and it's driving me nuts. It's time to trim it back. Um, 
the haymaker after haymaker in game five and Jimmy, that, that quintessential shot of him where he's underneath the baseline, he's played 46 and a half, 47 minutes. And he is, you know, hanging his head low because he has left it all on the court. He needs to go and shoot these free throws. And unsurprisingly, he did not have the same energy just 48 hours later in this game. Um, so they needed everybody else to step up to make up for his, you know, lack of energy. And it's not, it's not like a, a what we've heard with other players where, you know, they're tired by the end of the playoffs. It's because he had literally expended every ounce of energy he had in the previous game. So it is utterly unsurprising. It happened in, in game four, game three, he gave them, everything he had and then game four uh came out and was slow to start and he was more passive than the heat needed trying to get his teammates involved um you know it looked like he looked like uh, in game four what he was the first 20 or so games in minnesota where he's trying to defer to cat and wiggins to get them going and then eventually you know after 15 20 games realized that they're really not going to be much of a a threat unless he does it all. And then he sat down to try and do it again in game five and pulled it off. Uh, Daniel Cara over in the chat and Daniel, let me know. Am I pronouncing that right? Said the biggest thing that a healthy Goran would have given them is making Bam better, better who didn't look the same without him. True. Those pick and rolls um, were non-existent without Goran in there. You only have two real ball handlers unless you want to count none and none. It took, you know, three games, four games for him to finally get some confidence going. Um, they just didn't have as many ball handlers. So once you take the primary out of there, now you're asking Butler and Hero to pick up all the slack. And that's asking a lot considering that they had conditioned themselves to play one way and now are having to kind of shift all of that and play a different way. Um, but yeah, Goron going out would have made this a much more interesting s- series. I still think the Lakers win, and potentially in the same number of games. That's what I said before the series started was Lakers in six. My my head said Lakers in six. My heart said Heat in seven. Um, I was pulling for the Heat last night, but once the Lakers got up big, I mean, KCP had another great night. Rondo was hitting his wide open threes. Um, it's just crazy. Rondo suddenly hitting threes all these years later. He's been by and large over the course of his career, just a mediocre shooter, unless he's going in for a layup. And even then he would defer on the layup. And uh, how many times did you see him pass out to Ray Allen, uh, you know, in Boston when he had a, a relatively easy layup still contested, but he had an angle and instead kicks out to an open three point shooter and Ray Allen, which was wise basketball at the time. But you know, he's changed. Um, it was interesting to watch the LeBron post game finals MVP stuff where you got to put some respect on Rob Palenka and on this organization and on him. It's just like, I, everybody's putting, respect on that organization and everybody is putting respect on him. Now the Rob Palenka. Yeah, I'll give it to you. And his teammates for sure. Outside of AD, 
people questioned the Danny Green getting death threats. Uh, KCP, apparently his nickname in Detroit was Kid Can't Play. Um, you know, Rondo was over the hill. Dwight Howard was, this was a, a, a reclamation project on some level because he had, he'd become poisonous. Uh, you know, they have four former Washington Wizards, a.k.a. Bullets, on this team, and they won a championship. You got JaVale, you got Dwight, you got uh, uh, Markeith Morris, and you've got, uh, oh, why am I blanking? Who's the fourth? Who's the fourth? I know they have four. Anyway, it'll come to me in a second. We have all these guys that had had played with other teams, some, you know, fairly unsuccessfully. Some hadn't made that that deep a push in the playoffs. There's only championship experience from a handful of players, J.R. Smith being one of them, which I loved as soon as the celebration started. As everybody pointed out, J.R. Smith's shirt was off. J.R. doing J.R. things. God bless him. It was good to see him uh, over there. Who doesn't like Jr. Do I want him playing key minutes, you know, for my team, if I'm playing a championship, not at this point in his career. Uh, but do I think he brings a good energy to the team? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, especially if he knows exactly what his role is at all times. Um, Josh H says, Danny green and Kuzma need to be traded. I was thinking about that last night with Kuzma. I think now is the time to sell on Kuzma because he doesn't fit with what you have. Um, and it seems as though mentally he can really get down on himself whenever LeBron gives him that mean mug. And I think you could get buyers on him because you don't have any draft picks coming up and you don't have any young talent to develop outside of him. So if you could flip him for a better three point shooter and maybe a draft pick, on somebody that wants to get him to lock him into his extension. I think that might be a good idea. Danny green. I'd actually keep, um, he didn't as much as I had said, every time he shoots, I, I feel like it's going to miss. I don't know if this is true, but I saw on Twitter, uh, that percentage wise, he was shooting better from the floor this season than he was last year, which seems crazy. It did not seem the case. And I'm not even talking about that open miss at the end of game five. It's It was long before then. To me, it was more like Danny Green was going to rattle in and out a shot as opposed to something going in more consistently than making a shot. Um, but by the numbers, I got to look at it myself. I saw it on Twitter, and I want to say it was from either basketball reference or somebody else that, you know, their world is stats. Put that up as the stat. So... <laughs> I have to assume that was true and I'm going to, I guess, for the sake of this show, but Kuzma, I definitely think is somebody that they should be looking to trade uh, just because they could get value. It, look, your championship window is right now and they need to start making certain decisions as to who they're going to keep and who they're not. Do they want to uh, try and figure out different contracts? Danny green. I don't know that you're going to find many takers at his price tag uh, of 16 million, quite possibly. I mean, he's got back-to-back -back championships for two different squads showing his interchangeability with various formats. I mean, he's a 3-and-D player, and his defense is still pretty good. It's not elite like it once was, but it's still pretty good. And given his length and the fact that he is still a threat from three, he's got value. 
at 16 million, I think it'll be tougher. Whereas Kuzma, I want to say he's got one year left on his rookie scale deal. Um, so finding another player that you're going to get for that, you, you'd have to package Kuzma and somebody else to get another three point shooter. But it'll be interesting to see what the Lakers exactly do. Um, I don't know that I bring back Dwight Howard if you can get JaVale. Um, if you can keep JaVale. Um, I, you know, more three-point shooting, more consistent three-point shooting, I think would be the better route. Um, so Sean LeBeau, or Labua says AD should have been finals MVP. I don't think so. After he got into uh, foul trouble in game three and was kind of a non-factor in that game and, the, and LeBron was so consistent, I mean, he averaged one assist shy of a triple-double for the finals and the narrative was already behind LeBron as much as he harangues the regular season narrative of for MVP, narrative is something that happens and he would have had to have had like a 40 some odd point game last night and been the clear number one overall player on the court to overtake. Um, I will say that AD is hands down the best player LeBron has ever played with now. And it'll be interesting to see the shift and dynamic from this being LeBron's team to AD's team over the next two seasons of LeBron's contract. And they will be, Obviously, extending AD for whatever number AD needs, but the max extension for him, uh, which will further hamstring them, just as far as money is concerned and staying under the cap. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what the cap actually is after um, the loss of uh, you know uh, revenue from advertisers and in some TV deals, plus the in person the fan coming in and buying the tickets and concessions and, and merchandise and all that jazz. Um, you know, on average, it's a million dollars a game of profit for owners. Uh, so to lose all those games for the Lakers, that's a lot of, that's a lot of money for any team, but for any higher seed, you're then guaranteed. If you make it all the way to the finals, that's eight games. So minimum $8 million uh, that you need to put towards all your different payroll and overhead expenses. So one interesting thing of note, the Chinese CCTV, I think it's what it's called, started playing the finals games again. And they were attributing that to like a uh, Nets owner um, giving money, donating money to the COVID relief fund in China and other owners making overtures towards the Chinese government, whatnot. So they allowed games back on because if they were taking off entirely, that's 200 million loss for the NBA. And that would have a dramatic effect on the overall uh, salary cap. So we'll see what AD's max is and then how much money they have left to play with, given that I think uh, Rondo's under contract, Danny Green's under contract. I believe JaVale might be under contract. Like they have some coming back. KCP might have another year left. Um, So I don't know how much flexibility they'll have, but if any team is willing to go over the cap, it's definitely the Lakers. And especially when your window is the next two years for sure. Um, I'll be interested to see though, if, if LeBron finally scales back his minutes next year, as much as he is an anomaly, 
eventually father time will catch up and you're going to need to slow down. You're just going to have to inevitably will catch up. So do you want to expend those last little bits? I mean, now everybody's got the championship swagger, so he should be able to take a step back and, you know, ask everybody else to step up. But then you have to worry about AD as well, because previous history indicates that he is. Injury pro. There we go. Now I'm back. Don't know if it's, uh, if you guys could still hear me during that or not. Um, Josh H says Jared Dudley. I don't know what that's in reference to. And should they give DeMarcus Cousins another shot? <sighs> the thing is, what what are you going to get from DeMarcus at this point? He had so many big injuries. I know he wants one more four-year contract. How could he not? But nobody's going to give him a four-year. So is he going to do another one year with somebody? It's not a bad idea. Maybe he goes somewhere else. Um, because there's a whole bunch of teams. If he's willing to do a one-year deal, like the Bucks could make a run at him, and they're going to have to do quite a bit to convince Giannis that we are willing to spend and put players around you. But that doesn't really kind of solve what they need, which is spacing players. Somebody else that you know can get you a bucket. That's why, as much as they want to get Chris Paul, I don't really see how it's possible unless they're going to make Middleton available in that deal as well as a bunch of draft picks. And if I'm OKC, do I want Middleton at his upper thirties price tag? I don't. Um, but Boogie could fit in. What if Boogie goes to the Nets and then suddenly one year deal, you know, there, that makes a lot more sense because you have the spacing provided by Durant and Kyrie um, and DeAndre Jordan is, yeah, is getting a little bit older. Uh, Boogie could go there. If the Pacers ship out Miles Turner, right now the the hot destination is Boston. Um, and then Oladipo apparently wants out. Well, what if they pair for one year Boogie Cousins with Sabonis? Could be interesting. And you got Brogdon, sure. I mean, I think Boogie on a one year can make sense in a lot of different locations. What if you put him in Portland? Uh, but then he'd have to come off the bench because I think Nurkic would give you more of a scoring punch. And Gary Trent Jr., who just signed with Clutch Sports, should be a priority for them to resign. Um, but it looks like they're probably going to keep Melo on top of that. But I could see Boogie working uh, in there. Maybe go back to Golden State, try it one more time there. They could certainly use a big over there. Um, I think Boogie on a one-year makes sense in a lot of places. He wants a four-year, but he's got to prove that he's healthy enough for a four-year. But the Lakers are not a bad choice. Um, and then uh, Daniel chimes back in. Try to flip uh, Kuzma for Spencer Denwitty. Also, should the Lakers should go for Gallinari, who for some reason congratulated the Lakers last night online. Well, I think that's just... I don't know if I read any more into that. I mean, Gallinari is a free agent. So they could get Gallinari. And Dinwiddie, I believe, is going to be a, a free agent as well. I'd have to, I can look up his contract real quick. I don't believe so. Plus, um, 
it wouldn't be able to match the contracts Kuzma for Denwitty if he is under contract. Let's see. I don't know. He's got he's under for next year for eleven point four, and then he's got a player option the year after for twelve point three. Man, for some reason I thought he was a free agent. Um. So eleven point four for him, and let me look up the. Uh, the Lakers and see what they've got as far as uh, shit. I'm on the results page. No, give me the index for the year. I want to see the roster. Quit screwing with me. Here we go. Bottom of the page basketball reference. And it is so for next year. Yeah, yet Kuz at 3.5. So you need to make up eight million roughly. You can you can do it. Uh, I think it's so long as you get within eighty percent, you could do it. So you'd have to pair him with KCP to get Spencer Dinwiddie, or Avery Bradley, because um, you got Dudley, Dwight Howard, Markeith Morris, Deion Waiters, and J.R. Smith all coming off. AD's got a player option at 28. He will not be exercising that. He'll be signing a long-term. KCP is at 8.4493. That's a player option. I would kind of assume after this playoff run, KCP opts out. He is a clutch client. Man, do they go the the ridiculous route, though, like the Tristan Thompson when the Cavs overspent to retain him um, because he was a clutch client and LeBron liked him. He was not worth the money that he re-signed for. And Rondo is a player option at 2.6. I think Rondo has proved that he is worth more than 2.6 to the Lakers. And I think I prioritize re-signing Rondo, even though KCP is younger. If Rondo is willing to do a two-year deal at five or six. But the problem is, if everybody opts in, they're at 119. Um but AD is going to opt out and they'll be re-signing him for a max and suddenly they're past the salary gap for next year. So they're probably then, KCP would then be smart to opt out to force them if they want to re-sign him uh, to get more money because that's the only way they he can get more money out of the Lakers and Rondo. The problem is for Rondo, if he opts out and the Lakers are cap hamstrung, they can only re-sign him then at a specific percentage above what they gave him this year. So it's whether or not Rondo wants to stay with the Lakers for another year is whether or not Rondo will be on that team next year. Um, but there's all kinds of question marks. Let's Let's talk about the league as a whole. What do the Heat do? Do you prioritize re-signing Goran Dragic? I don't know. He's an older guy now who's looking for a big payday, but a plantar fascia tear is nothing to fuck with, especially for a point guard. Actually, for any basketball player, what am I talking about? If a big man had that, that would be terrible, but it does seem extra worse for a point guard because it would reduce what speed he had. And it's not like he was blazingly fast. And Kendrick Nunn doesn't look like he is strong enough yet to take the mantle, but maybe another season under his belt 
my guess is Pat Riley, depending on what kind of contract Goran is willing to take, does not sign Goran. If somebody is willing to offer him more, I think the Heat will say good day. Uh, and that's wise because they want to maintain their flexibility to make a run at Giannis the season after that. And they're so primed with a bunch of young guys in none and hero and Duncan Robinson, that it would be foolish uh, to do that. Um, what about like looking at the West or the East can start with these can the nets, will their experiment work? Boy, I am, I am on the fence as to whether or not I think it has real championship potential because KD's taken a real shift in the past few years. It's kind of like uh, um, the the edge of Westbrook rubbed off on him. And I don't know. It feels like he's wearing his, his, his dad's suit. You know what I mean? It's ill-fitting. It doesn't really seem like who he is. Uh, perhaps it's just because he's so willing to clap back at people when he doesn't need to. And that's why we were accustomed to one thing. And in the past, like five years, it's been something different. Um, but I think it's that coupled with Kyrie and Kyrie seems like such a Kyrie type player. And also it's two dudes that really need to have the ball in their hands to be as effective as they've been in previous, uh, seasons. Now, KD has existed within a free-flowing offense, but when it came down to playoff times, he was more than willing to settle for ISO, even though that was kind of an anathema to what the, the team did. But it'll be an interesting experiment. And whether or not he can come back from the Achilles tear, I hope so. I mean, I love watching him play, and it'll be super interesting. What do the Celtics do? I mean, it can they find anybody outside of Indiana to offload Gordon Hayward's Hayward's uh, contract um, because they were, they were close. The heat just had more intensity um, and they played with more heart against them, but they're also a young team that can make that run. Will Siakam learn from this? Like does Toronto give Van Vliet all the money that Van Vliet was probably going to be offered on the open market. I don't know if I do that. I've never been a big Van Vliet fan. He's come in in big spots, but do you think he could be the starting point guard on a championship caliber team? I say yes, only if you can surround him with two to three other primary scoring options. Then I think Van Vliet is a tremendous threat. If he has to play second fiddle, uh, I think that's where you have to worry. And I think your your ceiling is only so high. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe he's matured into he is an alpha and a perennial all-star in the East for point guard. I don't see it, though. Because I think they, to some degree, need to go back to the drawing board. Gasol's going to go finish his career in Barcelona. Um, Ibaka, I believe, is a free agent. And do you want to reside him because he's on the tail end um, of his career? I don't know that I give him a lot of money. I mean, Masai can make it happen and make it interesting. Um, do you obviously have Miami and all the question marks that they do? What moves can and will the Bucks uh, make? Because they need to show 
Giannis that they are willing to spend and surround him with a championship team. But at the same time, they don't want to surrender all flexibility to not be able to, to tinker with the team. A, if he decides to stay or B, if they give up a bunch of draft picks to get players and they don't make any noise once again, and he leaves now they have nothing. Um, and cause it seems as though he's going to ride out as of right now, all indications are he's going to ride out this final season with them and see how far they get. Um, cause they're not going to make a change at the coaching position. At least that's what they've indicated thus far. So they can't go the AD route of at least being able to trade him at the deadline unless the season is a disaster and, you know, they have a bunch of injuries and they're just not going to compete for a championship. So then, but at that point, you're only going to get 50 cents on the dollar for Giannis uh, unless a bunch of teams get into a bidding war. But I don't think you're going to find yourself in a New Orleans situation where some team is willing to sacrifice three young players plus draft picks and pick swaps. I just, you know, the Lakers overpaid. Now they got a championship out of it, but they overpaid. Um, and it was, you know, it was worth it. Ultimately, I guess it's not an overpay if you get a championship, but they all have surrendered their flexibility in the trade market going forward. So they're going to have to do it in signing guys to mid levels and, uh, you know, hopefully retaining their talent is all that they need in the hopes that the rest of the West doesn't, you know, stockpile assets around them because the Clippers still have all the flexibility in the world given all the players that they can move. Uh, and then if you want to talk about real draft capital to be able to spend, the OKC can do that. If they ship out, if they keep Chris Paul and then re-sign Gallinari, they have all the pieces with the uh, potential draft picks to make a trade for anybody they really want to. So long as it's what that team is looking for is the pot to be sweetened with draft picks. Uh, and they could do it. I mean, they've got draft picks for days, man, on top of their own. They've got, you know, heat one coming up. They've got a bunch of the Clippers and, uh, Presti's got them in an enviable position. Uh, but it will be super interesting. And then, the Trailblazers, if they stay healthy, they're coming back. Like the Lakers have a lot of looming threats to worry about. The maturation of the Grizzlies, although you have to assume that there might be a slight regression for the Grizzlies. Um, but perhaps there's not. Perhaps there's not going to be the, the progress for the Pelicans, but there's the Pelicans, the looming threat of them. Will Dallas be able to surround another piece or two uh, with uh, Doncic and Porzingis? and put together a real championship threat, you know, type of contender. Denver, MPJ, if he gets the growth, and then, you know, Jamal Murray and uh, Jokic made leaps. Just I mean, Jokic was already in the MVP discussion-ish. You know, he's in that five, six, seven kind of tier category of, like, he's in that discussion. But Jamal Murray just made a leap, just a flat-out, leap that he can be the primary on a championship caliber team. And then uh, Gary Harris, if he stays healthy all the next year, Denver is going to be a real problem for teams. Um, Utah getting Bogdanovich back. And can they kind of make any moves on the margins to help cement their rotation? Uh, 
what does Houston do? That's a, the biggest question mark, I think, in the West is what in the world does Houston do? Who are they going to get for coach? Right now, the odds-on favorite is Ty Lue. Daryl Morey's job is safe, according to Tillman Fertitta. Um, but what does Houston do? And Speaking of which, you know, job moving into the carousel, will Doc Rivers be able to make a, a difference over in Philly? I'm skeptical as much as Griff was on, on Friday's show saying he likes that fit and he's good, uh, you know, getting the most out of guys like that. I I'll be intrigued. I think he's, he's really good at getting guys or getting the most out of guys that are already established and know exactly who they are. And I still think Ben Simmons is trying to figure out exactly who he is. Can he motivate Joel Embiid to play 82 games plus the playoffs? Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Like there's, there's so many things. Free agency is looming. Um, Josh H over on the side says that he's, he's a longtime Mavericks fan, but he doesn't trust KP to stay healthy. Yeah, true. KCP. I mean, uh, KP's had a real uh, uh, problem with that. Although, you know, that is a problem with any big is there's the looming health threat that exists because the human body is not meant to be that large and move that much. Just not, physiologically speaking. That's why LeBron is such an anomaly. A guy at his size, his weight, the musculature that he carries, he should have had at least one other like truly catastrophic injury at this point. I mean, think how often he finishes at the rim and rolled ankle, never happened. Like a, a bad enough rolled ankle that he has to miss a couple games. Can you think of a bad back should be something that he worries about. And yet we don't really hear that as a problem. He had that groin thing last year. That's the first real injury. So KCP's health is kind of par for the course with bigs, uh, especially a big that is runs around that much on the court. And uh, yeah, they need a center that can stay healthy you know, losing uh, Powell hurt them. Um, Daniel Carr over on the side said the 2000 draft included Kirk Heinrich, Chris Kamen, Kendrick Perkins, and Luke Walton. Haven't been relevant players in years, and LeBron is still the best in winning finals MVPs. His run is insane. That's true. We should do another GOAT discussion podcast on another day. Um because he's making a case. I still don't think he's there personally, but it's getting, you know, it's getting closer and closer and closer. Something I never really thought. Uh, But we'll see. I think it's, he's never had a back-to-back. If he got a three-peat, I think it'll be damn near unassailable at that point. Because to do it three straight years uh, there's it, that's rarefied air. Three Pete is exceedingly rarefied air. And then to do it at this late stage in his career, and if he's anywhere near, I mean, he's already got the finals record for double doubles with 11, which I love it. Assistant coach Jason Kidd has 11 in the playoffs all time, and LeBron has 11 in the finals only. I mean, another thing to add to the, the GOAT conversation is he's played 81 more playoff games than Jordan did as a Bulls fan. That is a hell of a stat. 81 more playoff games. He's played 
one game shy of an entire season in the playoffs. I mean, the, the wear and tear on this guy, he came out at 18. Jordan played a couple of years of college. Jordan also took a season and a half off to go play baseball. LeBron has played all those years, 10 finals appearance. He, he makes a run in the playoffs practically every year. I mean, how this guy hasn't been hurt is his health and the fact that he's never had a dust up in social media, like a huge outside of the China thing, but I'm talking like a, some sort of drama gets caught cheating on his wife. Some, something, something never happened. And he's been under the microscope in the public eye since the age of 16. Those two things are utterly amazing to me, but his health is the primary for a guy like, what was it? His, his second year in Miami where it seemed like he was going to try and uh, go for field goal percentage in a season. Like everything was, I am going to drive and uh, just prove a point that you can't stop me. And he doesn't walk away with a catastrophic in injury from having that type of mentality. Dude, it is mind boggling. Um, see Xbox one says Michael Jordan will always be better than LeBron. Uh, congrats to the Lakers though. People call LeBron the GOAT uh, are nuts. Four and six in the finals isn't GOAT status. I would put Jordan and Kobe ahead of LeBron. Um, yeah, I don't put Kobe ahead of LeBron. It's LeBron's the second best player I've ever seen as of right now. And you're talking to a guy that's been a lifelong Bulls fan. Literally, the the first year I started watching basketball, I started watching because of Michael Jordan, and I have been watching the Chicago Bulls in basketball ever since. Uh, at one point in my life, my entire room was covered, covered in Jordan posters, and every T-shirt I wore was a Michael Jordan or Chicago Bulls T-shirt, but they were all pretty much Michael Jordan. I've spent now my adult life trying to get them back, and those things have gone through the roof. I'm actually going to turn around and sell some of mine that don't fit. If anybody's uh, interested, I'll be posting those on eBay. You can find them. I've got some, I've got some super rare Jordan shirts that just don't fit. I bought them because they were super rare knowing they were never going to fit. Um, and now I just need to offload them because they're sitting here and they might as well go to somebody that can actually wear them and, and enjoy them. There's no point in me looking at them every few months. It doesn't do me any good. Uh, I'd rather them out in the world. Um, but yeah, a guy that is diehard. Bulls fan and Jordan fan to this day. And it's getting tough for me after having watched all these years. Yes, the killer instinct. Jordan had it. And so did Kobe. But there's the longevity, the tremendous excellence for this long. Now, I like to harangue LeBron about the East being weak for a lot of those runs. It is, but you still got to play those games. You still got to play those minutes and you still got to be the alpha. And he was all of those things. So let's check back in a couple of years and let's see where his, this, you know, this ends up after this Lakers contract um, and whether or not the Lakers draft his son, because even if he's a second round pick, he's borderline to make the NBA. If LeBron is on their team and he has delivered them another championship in the, those couple of years. Bronny will be drafted by the Lakers. It's it's done. I'll guarantee that right now. Um, 
Xbox One thinks it's blasphemous that I think that LeBron is better than Kobe. Well, let's listen. Kobe fans are some of the most fervent that you'll ever find. Uh, but I watched all of Kobe's career. I have now watched all of LeBron's career and having lived through both personally, I think LeBron is better. Um, so anyway, I think I'm going to wrap there because a LeBron goat discussion, I think is genuinely better kept for another day. Uh, but I'd like to thank everybody for coming along on this bubble experience. I've loved every second of it. It's been awesome to have you guys chiming in in the chat. Um, you know, today was another lively chat. We've had some where, you know, 20, 25, 30 people are jumping on the chat and it's awesome. This was an impromptu two show. I didn't announce this beforehand. So the fact that so many people tuned in live to watch means the world. Um, I will be doing shows for free agency as it's coming up. And then once it actually transpires and then, uh, I'll try and get somebody on for the draft before the draft happens and do a draft show. I don't really follow college basketball, so I don't really know um, all that much, but I do know team needs so I can help out there and say, oh, you know, I think they should be targeting something like this because this is where they have the hole. But NBA is definitely a draft of you take the best available player. So you kind of a shoe on the top end of the talent or top end of the draft, what exactly you need. You should really target best available player. Part of the reason that Doc got fired is MPJ. They could have taken him. They had back-to-back -back picks. There was no real downside to taking him. Um, the guy was a nominal number one pick before he got hurt. Might as well kick the tires on that because he still has the talent to be that. And MPJ has now proven out he could be something in this league. And if he continues with this trajectory, he could be a perennial all-star in the West. And at his position, that's saying something. But the guy's got range. He's got athletic ability. He just needs to improve in certain spots. His defense, definitely. Uh, but that will come in time. Um, very few people are, are defensive stalwarts early on, especially if they're more offensively inclined. Uh, and then on the flip side, like someone like uh, Matisse Thibel, more defensive from day one, needs to work on his offensive game. But very few rookies come in and have both. But MPJ, this, the future is bright. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. A thanks to everybody that has tuned in, that's, uh, that's subscribed to the channel, subscribed to the podcast feed, that's left me a review. If you've never left me a review on iTunes or, or the podcast feed of your uh, choice, I don't know if they do it on, on Stitcher or Spotify or anywhere else, uh, but I know they do on iTunes and it really helps on iTunes or on, on Apple Podcasts to increase the overall awareness with, on the app itself by, with people that leave comments and uh, reviews. So if you could, even though the season is finished and if you've never done it, I would really thoroughly appreciate it. It would mean the world to you. And the 20 some odd people that have done it thus far, I think that's what it's at. I'm not sure. I haven't looked in a little while. Um, I, I say thanks to all of you and to everybody that came along and, and joined me in these chats and on Twitter. You can follow me at Matt Nost. If you want to talk more basketball, do that over there. Most of you know me for uh, movie stuff. So to, to branch out and do the basketball thing, uh, you know, it's one of the few things that uh, I tune in for. Um, hopefully I can start going back to movies. That's a, something else I miss. Um, but we'll get back to it in due time. Uh, my thanks to everybody. I'll check back in with you guys. Look for announcements on Twitter. Um, but I'll be putting these back up 
as we slowly get closer and closer back into the new season. And then it'll go back to once a week like it was previously, uh, just with the bubble and so many games being crammed down our throats. You miss so much by just doing it once a week. So that's why twice a week seemed, uh, you know, more fitting this time around. But that is it for today. You guys have been awesome. Um, my thanks to all of you. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to next season. I'll see you guys very soon. I hope you enjoyed the season as much as I did and the bubble experience. I thought it was awesome, and I think I should say awesome one more time. Awesome. Uh, that's it. Have a good weekend, or have a good rest of your week, rather. Uh, stay safe out there. Wear your masks. Stay six feet apart still if you're here in the States. I know we got a bigger problem than elsewhere. And uh, make sure you vote. Whoever you vo want to vote for, just get out and vote. Make your voice heard. The election's coming up. And every vote matters uh, for both sides, for all issues, propositions, whatever's on your ballots. Um, I had a lot of fun. And my eternal thanks and gratitude to everybody that joined me on this, uh, this new venture going solo. Until I see you guys again, adios. Mm -hmm.